Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. Good morning. Um, for those of you that I haven't met, I am Kurt Bissell. Um, I'm the online campus pastor. My kids tell me I'm not funny. The jokes I make aren't funny, so I could be off here. But we've been making the same joke about me not being a bot for like three years now. So it might be time to shelve that one. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, anyways, I move on. I am real, yes. Um, So we are finishing up our series on um, There's No Place Like Home. And we spent the last six weeks hearing messages that probably were challenging for some of us, that were comforting, and maybe a little bit of both mashed in to every single sermon. Um, And so I'm wrapping up this series with a message um, I'm calling Leaving Home When Home Leaves. And the idea is that... um, what do we do when home, the home we grew up in, isn't a home that we can stay in? A little bit different than maybe the video has shown us, right? I, I, I told Pastor Chip through Pastor Terry, so she may not have communicated this, but I was like, I really don't like that video. Now, this is the last week that we're going to show it, so I can now say I really don't like that video. But the, the reason is, is this. Um, I think it tends to romanticize what home life looks like. And many of us maybe feel guilt or shame that our home life doesn't necessarily look like that. Uh, I I would be remiss without saying happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Um, I trust that you had a God-filled, holy, blessed, amazing, thankful Thanksgiving. Everybody? Some of y'all are lying. Some of your Thanksgivings fell just a little bit short of that, right? Um, And and that's okay. Um, Some of you, this was the first Thanksgiving you had with that family of yours in a couple of years. And you remember why you didn't miss last year's. Because undoubtedly somebody drank too much, somebody ranted too much about their latest YouTube prophecies, somebody spouted off about their political conspiracies, someone explained the, the, the genius of cryptocurrencies and NFTs. If you don't know what those are, ask someone under 25, if they can't explain it, move on, your life will be better for it. So the, the reality is, is that, that home oftentimes falls a little bit short of maybe what we would like it to be. And and you may have spent this Thursday giving thanks with a group of people with a home that you have very little reason to give thanks for. 
And, and I want to acknowledge that. Pastor Chip and Pastor Scott, they, they acknowledge that not all of our homes, and, and maybe none of our homes, live up to the standard of God's home, of God's heavenly home. Uh, but I want to dig into that a little bit more today in terms of looking at what does it look like when home leaves us? What does it look like when we're forced to leave home? What does it look like when our home is destroyed? Now, I do want to say hi to my friends out there on social media, um, on the internet this morning. Um, I appreciate you all tuning in. Uh, if you will hit share, because that's one of the ways that we widen the circle. And, and it's a great way to um, invite people to experience what's going on here in a really safe, non-threatening, and anonymous way. Um, when I'm at home doing um, the chat online, um, sometimes one of the, the people that worships here will text me during the sermon. It's not one of the staff even. Um, and we have this interaction. So you can come here, invite someone online, and then text them during the sermon. I won't tell on you. And you can you know, have a conversation back and forth. It's kind of fun. So, um, but I want to I then talk about um, kind of this idea of what do we do then when home leaves us? So there's plenty of scriptures in the Bible, and we celebrate them oftentimes in church about kind of the wayward child, um, a faithless Israel, people sinning and leaving home. And in that leaving of home, there is a sense that God's heart is calling back to the sinner and, and wooing them back and welcoming them home. And then there's that, that blissful reunion and the, the heavens celebrate and the angels throw a party and, and all is good. And that is certainly an aspect of what, um, what a homecoming looks like, and, and we talked about that a lot. But there's this, also this idea that, that what do we do when we are forced to leave home, or when our home leaves us? The, the Israelites were um, many times in captivity where their home left them. The Romans or other groups controlled them, controlled how they worshipped, how they lived. And then there were times when they were sent into exile. Now I want to go through a story this morning that Pastor Chip read for us um, out of the book of Ruth. The book opens like this. It says, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. So let, let, me, let me pause there, okay? So, so first of all, you've got, you've got the, this, you know, Naomi and um, Elimelech, and there's a famine. So in, in ancient Israel, it's in a desert. You need crops, to, uh, you need water to, to grow crops. So it was not uncommon for there to be a famine, but we learn where this famine is. Can you go back to that slide? So the famine is in Bethlehem. In the Hebrew, uh, Bethlehem is two words. The first word is bet, which is the word for house. And, and the second word is lechem, which is the word for bread. So, so literally here, we have Bethlehem, the house of bread, and there is no bread in the house of bread. 
There, there, there's some irony there, but the reality is this, is God's house, the house of bread, there is no bread, there is no food, and so Naomi and Elimelech are forced to take their family and leave because they're, they need to survive. Their, their home, they are forced to leave, their home has left them because there is no bread. The bakery is empty. And so they, they leave, and you know it had to have been bad because they go to Moab. This is the equivalent of an Ohioan going to that state up north. I had really a lot of fun tormenting Chip during the first sermon uh, at Heritage. But, but the, the, this is the, the dynamic, and it's maybe no coincidence that Moab starts with an M. But th- there's... There's this sense of that's the kind of animosity here. You know life had to be bad if Naomi and Elimelech are going to go to that state up north. Especially after yesterday. But that's the situation. That's the scenario that we're in. And so they, they they go to Moab. Now, the story continues, and life didn't go so well in Moab either, and maybe um, Ohio fans would say, of course not, but that's another discussion. Um, once in ten years isn't too bad. Um, so, so things don't go much better, and the story continues, and it says they're there for about ten years. Naomi's two sons get married, ha- um, get married, no kids yet, and then her husband and her kids uh, all die. And so now they're left with Naomi and two daughters-in-law and no means of, of, of sustaining themselves, of providing for themselves. So again, Naomi is forced to leave her home. Twice now in the 10-year period, her home is destroyed. Her home is now uninhabitable and she is forced to leave. And and I think it's important to note that there's no mention of any kind of sin or wrongdoing or transgressions that Naomi and Elimelech and Naomi and Ruth and Orpah go through to cause these things to happen. And if you read through the scriptures, when, when the Israelites stray, they are quick to point out that they have done something wrong and that this is the punishment. That's not the case in this story. So through no fault of their own, they look at each other, Ruth and Naomi, and they say, we have to leave again. People like Ruth and Naomi and like um, Ruth or Naomi and Elimelech, they leave home for many different reasons. Some of those reasons can be good. The natural course of life, children grow up, they move out. They, we move for uh, jobs, for education. We move for a significant other to pursue a dream. There's many good reasons we leave home, but there's also many uh, negative reasons that we leave home as well. Some people leave home because they're escaping a broken relationship, an abusive uh, partner, abusive family. Others leave home because their homes have been destroyed. Refugees leave because of a war-torn nation. We'll talk about that in a moment as we've experienced the Afghani refugees coming to Cleveland and some ways that we can respond to them. We'll talk about that in a few moments. I want to pause here, though, and just to acknowledge that even if we haven't physically left home 
or home has not physically left us, over the last couple of years, some aspect of home has been lost for many of us. See, I don't define home as just a place, but it's a, a, an emotional home, a spiritual home, a relational home. And, and over the last two years, many of us have lost aspects of that home as we've lost loved ones to COVID, to overdoses, to suicide, to cancer. Some of us have had to move for jobs to sustain a lifestyle. Some of us have seen friends and family members get lost in political radicalism, get entrenched in racist ideology, and confused by crazy conspiracies. And this last one I think hits home for many of us is that we feel like over the last few years we have lost our home in the church. I shared earlier, and I've shared with, uh, with, uh, with plenty of folks, that I don't know where my spiritual home would be if it weren't for Garfield. Over the last couple of years, the, the, home I, the church home that I identified with, I feel like personally has left me. And if it wasn't for Garfield, I don't know what my relationship with the church would be today. And so I'm, I'm, I'm eternally grateful to have a church like Garfield and even more fortunate to get to work at a church like Garfield. But the reality is that many of us have lost something over the last several years. So I don't know what part of you feels homeless right now. Maybe it's spiritual homelessness. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's emotional. But I know you're probably experiencing something. And I know personally I'm left asking this question that I'm sure Naomi and Ruth are asking as well. When left without a home, how do we find a new home? To answer that, I want to continue in the scripture, but I want to first look at Garfield Memorial Church's mission statement. And our mission statement is really how we are creating a heavenly home here on earth in the greater Cleveland area. The mission statement is, is this, connecting diverse people who share a common brokenness with Jesus. Connecting diverse people who share a common brokenness with Jesus. I just invite you to, to, to say that with me. Connecting diverse people this is where I hear you talk. Right, let's start. Let's start. We'll go one word at a time. Connecting diverse people who share. I know that was two words, but you can do it. Who share a common brokenness with Jesus. All right. Can we do it all at once this time? If I was really good, we'd put up on screen, but I wanted to really challenge you. Connect, okay, here we go. On three. One, two, three. Connecting diverse people who share a common brokenness with Jesus. So if you go to garfieldchurch.org slash vision, you'll see that there is our mission statement. That is how the kind of home we want to create, the heavenly home here on earth, that Garfield Memorial, the people of this church feel called to create. If you go down a little bit, you find a section where it says the four measures. There's four ways that we measure if we're successfully creating this type of home. And those four measures are listed as love, humility, sharing, and caring. You want to repeat that with me? It's up on the screen. We can do this, right? Love, humility, 
sharing, and caring. And connect. I didn't even say it right. Sharing and caring. Oh, okay. <laughs> These are the four measures that we look at. And I think the temptation is to be too heavenly-minded to be of any earthly good. You've heard that saying before, and maybe you know people like that. The folks that say, hey, what's your emergency fund? I, I, I do, um, I, I'm a financial advisor, so I will ask folks all the time, like, you know, do you have three to six months of living expenses in the case of emergency? And, and when you reply, no, I have faith, that's being too heavenly-minded to be of any earthly good. We know folks like that, right? So, so instead, though, I think we want to try to put some flesh on the bones for what it means to live out a heavenly home here on earth. And so I want to look at these four, these four things. So the first is the idea to foster a heavenly home. We should love one another with humility, that we should love and serve one another. So in the story, we see this love expressed from Naomi and Ruth very early on. The, the love that Naomi expresses is when she tells her, t- her two daughters-in-law to go back home. See, she has no way of taking care of them anymore, but there's this social contract that happened when the, when the um, daughters married into the family. They were now committed to taking care of Naomi. And so... Naomi, in an act of selfless love, says, go ahead and go home, find a new husband, get a new home. I'm of no use to you anymore. And then she's going to go back to her original home in Bethlehem and see if there is bread there. But Ruth says, no, 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 I'm going to stay with you. She says, I'm going to stay and and reciprocates that love and service to her mother-in-law. By, by saying, Naomi, I'm going to stay, stay with you. And it's these two, um, these two acts of love and humility that foster a heavenly home. Now I want to say this, is when those two women chose to love and serve one another, that is when the heavenly home began to form. I would propose this. They didn't actually have to go back to Bethlehem for that heavenly home to continue to be formed. You don't have to go back to an original home for home to be restored in your own life. I think that there can be this manipulation that happens, emotional and spiritual and sometimes even physical, that keeps the, the person being abused in the abusive situation in hopes of redeeming it or restoring it. But I think scripture here shows us that that's not the case. Israel many times was sent into exile. And the longing, of course, was always to go back to Israel, to Jerusalem. But that wasn't always the case. And and I believe God oftentimes said, you can build a home where you're at, regardless of your location. Because home ultimately is a place where love and humility and service are existing. And there isn't a spiritual manipulation or physical or emotional manipulation going on. So Jeremiah 29, 11, 
Many of you know this verse. It says, For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for your harm, to give you a future with hope. Some of you have that on your refrigerators, on cups and things like that. Am I right? It's a fantastic verse. I'm going to ruin it a little bit for you. So, if you don't want to hear this, cover your ears. Beginning of Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah is in Jerusalem writing to the elders in Babylon. So, Jeremiah is in the promised land and he's writing to people in Babylon who are still in exile. Okay? Do you, do you see the, 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 the tension there? There are Jewish people in Jerusalem living in the promised land. So he writes to the Jews in Babylon and says in verse 5, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat what they produce, take wives and have sons and daughters. And then it drops this little gem in verse 10. Only when Babylon's 70 years are complete will I visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Did you catch that? 70 years from now I'll fulfill my promise. The leaders, the elders that he's writing to, will, they won't be alive. There's very little chance that any of them will be alive. They will be old, shriveled men, if they are, and they certainly won't get to enjoy the promised land that they're called back to. What is God saying here? God is saying, I can meet you wherever you're at, regardless of that physical place. That you don't have to go back to an original home to experience God's heavenly home. Now, I I don't know if that was the words that the elders wanted to hear in Babylon, but my thinking is that they did understand that God would bless them there, that there would be food in the land, that there would be family in the land and prosperity. And so I would just encourage you to maybe stop looking for a physical location or restoring an old broken relationship and finding a place where you can serve and love alongside of people that have a shared common value with you. Now in addition to that love and humility that we look for, To create a heavenly home, I believe we should share God's love by connecting with a diverse group of people. So this this second the second aspect, um, I think Naomi and Boaz really demonstrate this set of measures. So the book of Ruth is only four chapters. I'm going to tell the rest of it real quick. You can go home and read it um, to see if I told it right. Okay, but it goes like this. So um, Naomi knows there's a relative in Bethlehem um, whose name is Boaz, and he is a rich, wealthy man, and she, he is a uh, part of Elimelech's family, family lineage. And so there's a hope there from Naomi that, uh, that Boaz will take care of them. Now, so they go back. Boaz um, 
is a man of God and welcomes uh, Ruth, this foreigner, into the land. This widow says, hey, you can go glean in my field. I'll make sure that the young men don't abuse and, and um, exploit you, um, as would oftentimes happen of a, a single, single foreign woman who does not look like them, talk like them, um, have tra- tra- uh, traditions like them. There, there would have been a high likelihood of exploitation. But, but Boaz says, I'll protect you. Eventually, Boaz marries Ruth, and um, they end up having a child, Obed, who then becomes part of the, the um, lineage of David. And then we learn in the book of Matthew, that lineage becomes part of the lineage of the Messiah, the Christ. So, a couple of thoughts. <clears throat> Related to these ideas of sharing God's love with all people and connecting with the diverse people here. So first of all, um, it's Naomi and Boaz's faith that, and, and actions that lead to Ruth's um, conversion, really. So in the Jewish tradition, you would, um, they look at Ruth 1, verse 16, um, as an act of conversion. It's the first conversion in Scripture. It says, um, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. So Naomi and Boaz are embracing a foreign woman because of their love of God. And, and Ruth then makes that profession of faith. So the other thing that I think shouldn't be missed about Boaz's um, faith is that Boaz's faith is what caused him to embrace a foreigner and bring her into his home. There was a Pew Research study done about 10 years ago um, of U.S. Christians, and it said this, about 7% of U.S. Christians indicated that their views on immigration were impacted by their faith. So basically what they're saying is, is faith, only 7% of Christians said, my faith is the most important thing in forming my views on immigration. Now the last 10 years, I'm not sure that that has changed or increased whatsoever. And in fact, I would argue that it hasn't. Might even suggest that if Boaz had taken the approach of U.S. Christians today, that Naomi would have never brought Ruth back to Moab, or from Moab, and that even if she had, she certainly wouldn't have found refuge under Boaz's employment. Right now, as I mentioned, we have hundreds of refugees coming from Af- Afghanistan. They're coming right here to Cleveland. And the Nehemiah Mission and um, the Refugee Response Organization out of um, the east, no, the west side of Cleveland, out of Cleveland, um, they are, are building homes and furnishing homes for these refugees. So we, we did a concert on November 20th, a recital for refugees um, that our choir director, Craig McGaughy, put on. They raised over $1,500 at that event um, to furnish a home for a refugee family. We're going to host a second um, worship event with um, Dre and Leah. I think are going to be at that one, aren't they? Dre and Leah, they left. They don't want to hear me preach. Um, they'll be back. 
You're there? You're, you're singing, right? They're doing yeah, okay, I, I, whatever. Um, oh, I'm just going to read my notes. It says here. We're almost done, I promise. So, December 11th, 3 o'clock, South Euclid Worship Center. Good news, a Christmas concert with Garfield's Chancellor Choir, Catch the Spirit Choral, and Chamber Orchestra. So we're going to have a second fundraiser for refugee response. Dre and Lee are doing something for missions, for the youth mission trip in 2022, which will be awesome too, but I don't know when that one is because it's not in my notes. 19th. The 19th, okay. I hear your voice. Oh, there you are. All right, so um, many of you know what Giving Tuesday is. It's, it's, um, it's, it's this coming Tuesday, November 30th. Um, it's a day that um, all of us that spent too much on, good, on Black Friday, um, as a way to make ourselves feel better, we do this Giving Tuesday and we give to nonprofits. So um, I say that in part in just of ourselves, but there's an important generosity aspect as we're seeking to create a heavenly home that we do need to make sure we look out and serve other people. So um, I want to encourage you to give to the refugee response. You can give to it through the church website. If you go um, to our giving website, um, there's a, a drop down for Afghan refugees. You can email me or Pastor Chip or Pastor Terry with questions. But I'm going to put out on social media, since I'm the online campus pastor, on Tuesday, um, an opportunity to give to that, um, to that movement. And I'm going to match up to $500 of committed money on that day. So send me... Um, and, and, and that's not about me. That's really about the church moving in this place and, and wanting to encourage you to create and foster a heavenly home um, here in Cleveland um, for a group of people that, that have been broken in many ways. We need to move past the politics of this one and so much, right? I have news for you. It was everybody's fault. Right, left, middle, Republican, Democrat, uh, libertarians, all of the above. It was all of our faults that were in this situation. I don't really care about that, but I do care about those people. Some of those folks are, are people of the Christian faith. Many of them are not, but they all deserve for us to share God's love with them. So I would just um, take those opportunities that we have um, to, to really kind of live into that idea of sharing uh, God's love with all people and an opportunity to connect with people that look different than you, that believe different than you. Um, I was just on the refugee, um, the, the refugee website, um, the refugee response website, and, and there's there's already been a lot of opportunities. There will be some more is basically what they said, that this need isn't going away. These people aren't going home. There is no home for them to go to. Their home was destroyed. Their home is now here. Can we help them to create a new heavenly home here? So stay tuned and look for those. Um, so I, I hope there's been some actionable things for you today. Um, you know, the, the, our home um, here on earth will always be broken to an extent. It will always not be our, our final destination. Um, and, and so I want to um, just kind of remind you that, that while Ruth, the story of Ruth ends on this beautiful note, 
Obed becomes part of the lineage of David, and then we know from, from Matthew that they also become part of the messianic line that is Christ. Here's the thing. Ruth didn't know any of that. It, it, there was no, maybe, I mean, maybe she heard a word from the angel. Doesn't tell us that. Maybe Mary came back and told her. I, I mean, we can get weird all kinds of places. But the reality is this, is Ruth probably didn't have any idea that any of that lineage was going to happen because it all happened after she was dead. There was no comfort in that. So as we say, there is a heavenly home that God has prepared for us. My hope is that it will bring us some comfort, but the reality is it doesn't wipe out all the pain and anguish and suffering that we have in this moment. But hopefully it can give us a hope beyond that to see that God is moving within it. So today marks the first Sunday of Advent. Um, we're going to be starting the series um, uh, Dia de los Tres Reyes next week. And if there was ever a time we needed to redeem a January 6th, this is the year. So we're preparing our hearts for a God who left his home to come down among our home and redeem it. So, so I want to leave us with some words of Christ from John 16. These are, these are scriptures that I oftentimes will read um, at a funeral to honor someone's life, but also to comfort those that are there grieving. And so if you are grieving a loss this holiday season, I want you to hear these words and be comforted by them, but be also encouraged by them to create a heavenly home here among the people of God. So hear these words. Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may also be. And you know the way to the place where I am going. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is preparing a home for us. And my prayer is that you will hear that voice, be empowered by the Spirit, and begin to build that home here and now. A heavenly home that replaces the brokenness of this home. Let us pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for the chance to come together today uh, and to hear a, a call and invitation back into your home, Lord. God, I pray for those that are grieving and mourning the loss of, a, of some kind of home in their lives over the last couple of years. Lord, I pray that you would be a light in our darkness as we prepare for the coming of your son, Jesus, who left his home to come into our home to redeem it. God, redeem our hearts. Align us with your promise of a heavenly future. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.